All right, things are looking pretty good at my end, and uh, yeah, I see the gameplay and uh, some people in the chat already. All right, guys, uh, I think it's good to go here. What's up, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the Xbox Roundtable Podcast, your place on Sundays to kick back and listen to some Xbox talk and more. Hey, you know the drill, right? We're all about Xbox here. And you are listening to show number 219. Damn, I, I really can't believe it's at 219 already. Wow. Uh, anyways, this is Invader, your host for the evening. And I'm looking forward to discussing all of the wonderful topics and news on the docket tonight. Certainly loads of Xbox-related news to talk about. Uh, rumors of uh, multiple shows being discussed. I mean, you know, of course, that's part of the course. But, uh, you know, it sounds like they're uh, deliberating about a few things. As well, uh, some talk about the initiative, uh, a new trademark being listed by Bethesda, and some other stuff. But first, let me introduce you to everybody on tonight's panel. And joining us tonight is our friend, Mr. Crusader. Bud, great to have you back again. How are you doing? It's good to be back on two weeks in a row. I'm, I'm doing good. I've been playing a lot of... Uh, it's a modded Minecraft pack called FTB Interactions Feed the Beast. Um... It's an expert mod pack for Minecraft. We're, we're having a good time. A bunch of my friends and I are playing. So it's, it's been a pretty good week. All right. All right. Glad to hear that. Uh, I, like, I'll admit I'm not like the biggest Minecraft guy in the world. I know, obviously, it's a massive, massive game. But uh, like, what, what kind of a mod like is it, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> it is uh, an entire pack of stuff. So it's got magic. It's got technology. And... Uh, the pack is called an expert pack because not only is it a bunch of mods, the mods are taken in such a way that um, the creator has uh, rescripted a ton of crafting recipes to create an entire like tree of like progression and stuff like that. So like you you have to progress from like era to era so that you can craft new machines or do new stuff with the magic mods and stuff like that, and everything interconnects and stuff. It's uh, as a group, it takes about 500 to 600 hours, not like per player, but like as a, like a whole group of, of work to go in to, to beat it. The end goal is to get items that you could normally only get if you were in creative mode. All right. All right. Sounds pretty cool. Uh, definitely, you know, some varied stuff there. Uh, hey, you know, let me know how those mods uh, turn out for you, you know, how you're enjoying them down the line. Uh, mm -hmm. That's the thing, right? You know, trying out all those different mods. You get to sample all kinds of different things, different user-created content. That's always cool. I like, you know, I like that stuff every now and then. Uh, let's see. Going down the list here, we're on to the uh, takes our panel members. Uh, Shockley Buddy. Hey, how you doing? I know you've been posting some stuff about uh, your TV situation on uh, Twitter there. How you been? Yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, when I saw that... Uh setup uh you know before i bought my house i was just like i've seen the setup where someone put like their crt on the bottom they had all their retro consoles all their modern consoles and they had their you know big flat screen above the crt i'm like that looked like the sickest setup so i could just have everything connected to both tvs all at once <laughs> and then i did it so i just have to put some of the shelving but all the everything is mounted and put in place so definitely it's it's more. It's better than I imagined. <laughs> like this is like the sickest setup to me. <laughs> but uh, using my closet space that I was not using in my office looks like a little theater room that I was custom made. <laughs> but other than that, I've been playing uh, Elden Ring. Um, I've been because I really like Sekiro, um, but the uh, kind of the 
linear part of that that I enjoyed. <laughs> that was like, at least I kind of knew where I was going, what I needed to do. Um, with Elden Ring, it's kind of that Breath of the Wild thing where it's just like, okay, what do I do? I Where do I go? <laughs> um, so I have been following a cool, I forget the uh, YouTuber's name. I think it's Fighting Cowboy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been following his guide. So his guide is kind of like a prep of like, hey, he's basically, it's like going to school. It's basically he's prepping with like, okay, you're going to have this weapon. Like uh, with now you can do, you know, put poison like on your weapon. Like basically he's going to get you ready to like go out in the world and start. Not that you're going to be like over level, but you'll have like, you know, some of the equipment you're going to need and not get totally destroyed. It's still going to be difficult and hard when you're going up against bosses, but you'll at least have, you know, because I was getting my <laughs> ship pushed in with some of those just basic MP- NPCs because you could miss the tutorial at the beginning. Totally missed it, walked right past it because I wanted to go out in the world. Found it. I'm like, oh, okay, that would have been nice if that would have been like, hey, tutorial this way. <laughs> like Sekiro, uh, Sekiro, you can't miss it. Um, or Sifu, you can't miss it. It's right there. You can keep training and get better. So, but, so I'm, I'm having more fun with it. And I think once I get through kind of just like, you know, prep and training, I'll be like, cool, I'm going to actually enjoy the game. You know, once I'm prepped, it's going to still be difficult and hard, but at least, you know, it won't be, uh, feel like completely unfair and like I'm having a miser- miserable time. So but that's, that's what I've been doing this past week. All right. All right. Getting some game in it. That's awesome, man. Plus the setup. Love it. And further down the list here, Centurion Buddy. Uh, hey, I know you've been uh, taking it easy uh, past well week, I guess, but uh, otherwise, get in some gaming. Oh man, it is Sunday night. Time to have some fun. My voice probably sounds like hell because I'm getting over a cold, but I am excited, man. Um, only yeah, I've been playing a lot of Dying Light too. Uh, I can't stop playing it. I've been been enjoying the game i haven't ran into some of the problems that other people have i guess i'm also more forgiving when it comes to uh i guess some of the the bad visuals of the game i'm just enjoying the game loop uh, it's definitely a fun game if you enjoy dying light one but it's a total different experience from the first game yeah that's what i've been hearing um again i, I can't really say because i haven't played the first game but i've been hearing well, some mixed stuff. I'm, I've been, I have been seeing people enjoying the game. It's just, it's a little different. Like again, like you've just been saying. So, uh... in the first game, it's like let's just put it this way: in the first game, when you go out at night, um, and if you try to go out at night when you very first start the game, you'll pretty much uh, get your ass handed to you by what comes out at night. But in Dying Light Two, it's almost like incentivized for you to go out into the nighttime of the game like right off the get-go because it's like two different worlds at day and night now and um yeah definitely it there was a lot of gameplay mechanics that are totally different from the first game for sure all right all right good to know if i ever get my hands on it and uh all right i'll give it a go uh guys on the chat uh, let me know how your experiences are with dying light if you've been playing it you know, if uh, you agree with Centurion's point or, you know, just you know, any other little differences that you might notice. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, Tim Dog, I will not be making it tonight uh, because of, well, 
he mentioned this on Twitter because of a recent passing. You know, he just didn't feel up to coming. And MLD may or may not be coming later on just because of some scheduling things. But, uh, you know, it sucks when people, obviously, in the community, you know, we you get to know all these personalities, get to interact, whether it be different events and, you know, even just through social media. But, uh, you know, first, I wanted to take some time to address the passing of a prominent Xbox YouTube community member. A person by, well, he goes by the name of, uh, well, he went by the name of Kalel, uh, the creator of the Inner Circle podcast. He passed away uh, very recently. And while I didn't know him personally, I, I did follow him. Uh, many others certainly did, like Tim Dog and many others and other members of the show. Uh, it's just, again, it's always a shame when we lose such bright and passionate creators. So if you could please uh, keep him and his family in your prayers and heart. I mean, while it's a loss, he will be remembered by many. Uh, the, obviously, uh, the Inner Circle podcast has been around for <sighs> quite a while. I mean, you can go back and check their stuff. It's uh, very influential. I uh, had a lot of good shows. And again, it's a sad day, but he will be remembered. Um, you know, just again, it's a shame when stuff like that happens. Um, you know, but he was a good guy. He was a very good guy. Um, but yeah, guys, um, on to topics and, uh, you know, let's kick things off by talking about, uh, some mighty interesting rumors making the rounds over the past week. Well, few weeks, we've been talking about how Xbox, uh, will spread out its shows and it looks like we're starting to get a clearer picture of that. Uh, our friends over at Xbox era are saying that there will be uh, two big events scheduled for May and September. However, Venture Beats Jeff Grubb, he did chime in saying that there's that there's supposed to be one in June, not May, which, again, it's interesting. Uh, we should know more in the coming days, weeks. I'm curious what everyone's thoughts on this are. Uh, Centurion, I'll, I'll hit you up first. Uh, because of the situation around the world, you know, the past, well, let's just say two years at this point, we've seen different uh, structures to these, uh, you know, to these shows and events. Do you think we'll see the so-called traditional E3 show date, or will it be more spread out? That is actually a really good question. I have been pondering that question ever since it came up, and to be honest, I'm really seeing it be more spread out. I mean. I hate to say it. I'm going to just be upfront. I am not a big fan of Jeff Keighley's Summer of Games because sometimes it's just way too spread out and there's just a lot, and I mean a lot of mindless filler. And when I'm not trying to say mindless as a negative, but when I say mindless is there's a lot of filler that could definitely um, be done better. Um, it, it just doesn't have a place in the way in the manner that it is. And I've noticed that a lot of companies are spreading it out. Um, if memory serves me right, last year for Summer of Games, uh, Xbox kicked it off with um, like a show focused at independent developers and smaller game titles um, right at the very beginning of the uh, kickoff of the Summer of Games with Jeff Keighley. And then they did have another show that was the big show that was kind of a more reveal for the bigger titles around that E3 date that everybody's used to around late, Jul wait, J late June, early July. Um, and 
I just I really do see them probably more than likely holding to the same the same I don't even want to say technique, but the same the same schedule as they did last year about how they just spread everything out. Everybody got their time. But I do I do hear and actually listen to a lot of people that really do miss those days of where it was like E3 where you went there on Friday and it was these guys Saturday. It was these guys Sunday. You had the big show. You had a couple other stuff on Monday and Tuesday. But now we're somehow spreading it out over months and months and months. And sometimes you could potentially fatigue it. So I really don't know if that's a good idea to do it or not. All right. All right, that's a fair point. Fair point. Um, anybody else have any uh, thoughts on this? Uh, Crusader, uh, what do you think about uh, what's being uh, spread around so far, the rumor mill? So, I, I think that uh, there is a possibility for a special next thing to be partially true. I don't think that their big show is going to be in May and September. Um, I think that uh, they might have smaller shows planned for then. Um it's more akin to Stoney's state of plays, where it's like one game as a focus and maybe a couple other games being shown, like, like the, the smaller things. I, I do think that at least this year we're going to have the big showcase in June like we normally do. I don't think that's ever going to go away, even if they're not part of E3. I think they're always going to have their big June showcase um, now that they're more prepared for it uh, to do it without or with the ESA uh, since uh, COVID happened. Um, and then I do think that, uh, we are going to get a second show this year. I do think EXO is going to come back. Uh, right. I think they're going to try their hardest to bring EXO back for this December. Um, and like, I I've been on, uh, the train that they, they only need big show wise to a year. They, they only need big show wise too. They just need some little things like the state of plays to like Sony state of plays to happen throughout the year. Um, and realistically the the only thing that's limiting them from doing that right now is uh game releases they're they're slowly getting into the cycle where they're releasing more and more and by the end of this year i think they are going to be very close to that goal that they had of one game releasing every quarter uh, i believe that's something that both matt booty and phil spencer and a few other people have said that, that that's their goal is one large release a quarter um and if they do that then that means you can get a state of play like show or the like the sea of thieves thing that they did in january you, you can get stuff like that every other month or even once a month depending on what's releasing live service wise versus what's releasing as a bespoke uh singular title uh brand new title uh mm -hmm. I think they can get into a flow where we're going to get more shows, but I, I think they're going to stick to the two big showcases a year. And I, I think that they've wanted to do two showcases a year, even during COVID, but XO is such an in-person event. It always was. They move it around the world every time. If you like, you go on Wikipedia and you look up the history of XOs, they're all in different locations because they, they want to have a big event for the Xbox community, and they always want it to be in a different locale so different fans can go. So I understand why they haven't had them since I think the last one was 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. Because um, we, we didn't have one in 2020, and we didn't have one in 2021. I didn't know if we had a 2019 one or not. But because, um, <clears throat> uh, I mean, you do that. you, you have Because each of those showcases are usually one to two hours, and they're they're the typical jam-packed full of content. And 
if you remember correctly, Bethesda used to have their own E3 conference even mm-hmm. outside of Xbox. So I, I don't think we're going to have to worry about the content being dry at those anymore because Bethesda was able to hold their own and Microsoft realistically was able to hold their own. Some years was better than others, but I mean, every brand has had good and bad years at E3. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think ultimately we are going to have the big somewhere between May and July showcase and we're going to have somewhere between like a November and January showcase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. And you bring up a good point about Bethesda's show because, again, <clears throat> Xbox is able to have all these separate shows under the various like big publishing yeah. branches that they have now. They didn't have that luxury before, but now they, you know, they can spread things out a bit more uh, with Beth- Bethesda. Even at the popular conventions that they host, too, like a QuakeCon, for example, right? You might get some little tidbits yep. there. Uh, but And even Bethesda's or- show, like, it doesn't even have to be technically... I mean, they probably will have something in June, I would imagine, for the, you know, quote-unquote E3. But again, like, Xbox doesn't necessarily have to do it all, like, in the same day, same week, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What wasn't... Both the Doom games were announced at QuakeCon, weren't they? Because wasn't there the big thing that they showed Doom and then asked the all of the people at QuakeCon to not talk about it? Like, there was, like, an audience of, like, 300 people, and they asked them not to talk about Doom 2016 until they officially announced it a week later. And literally all of the people kept quiet about it. it was a, I think it's a big story um, hmm. back in the day, back in, like, 2014, uh, when they were rebooting Doom. Hmm. Um so it's not remember. like it, it, they do announce things at QuakeCon. I know Doom 2016 first appeared at QuakeCon. Um, so like you know they and they're gonna have BlizzCon eventually. Uh, with the Activision merger, um, and they could turn that into an Activision Blizzard and King showcase, you know, and have that at some at some time of the year. So it, it's not like we're gonna have a lack of showcases. I just think that. Uh, people need to be a a little bit, and I know we hate being patient. We've been patient forever, but like, <laughs> look at what we're getting. You know, like just look at look at how much Microsoft's investing into this, and we're gonna be getting great showcases. We're gonna be getting great games for Game Pass. Uh, I, they just it, it's gonna take time for all of the studios to get settled, for COVID to uh, the effects of COVID to stop hampering. Uh, development and the showcases and things like that and once everything normalizes i I think that there's going to essentially be non-existent like dry spells will be non-existent you know there's just so much Mm -hmm. you you look at it and there is so much Mm -hmm. yeah would they do something like i remember in 2020 when again everything was just happening they did have the separate shows for a uh, third party, I think it was in May, and then they focused on their first party in like uh, June or July. Yeah, they could do that. I think that that third party event has evolved, though. I think that that's become their ID at Xbox show. Um, and mm-hmm. aren't we getting one of those in like a week? Yeah, actually, did they announce one? Yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, this uh, coming week. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, be yeah. Uh, so you it. know, and I. I guarantee people are going to be upset with that. I'm just going to call it now because I think it's going to be a four-hour show, and I think the indie developers are each going to be given 15 minutes to talk about their game, which is something that, like, you know, if you're going into it 
expecting something else than that. I don't know what to tell you. I, I think that it's great that they're giving these indie developers the time to speak. I hope they break it up and you can watch the individual segments on the uh, YouTube channel this time because they didn't do that the first time. But I, I'm just going to warn anyone listening now. That's probably what the show is going to be. It's going to be each indie development studio is going to get between five and 15 minutes to talk. They're going to show off indie games and then there'll be breaks in between where they show off just uh, regular trailers for indie games. It's if indie games aren't your cup of tea and learning about game development aren't your cup of tea, I would just wait for the highlights. Well, I really no. I mean, I love some indie games for sure. I mean, a lot of people know that listening and, uh, you know, I like to experiment with uh, indie games too. I mean, there's some phenomenal ones, obviously. Uh, my only thing is I hope they learned from last year and, you know, hopefully, you know, the Twitch better. Yeah, with the, the hosts uh, are better. yeah, the hosts and, you know, the Twitch, Twitch streamers aren't necessarily the best hosts per se. Best and, host. yeah. and, you know, they might not be as, uh, you know, educational about the game, be able to put in a lot of input or they might not understand something when they're demoing the game. And, well, let's be honest, a lot of people just don't want to stick around for, you know, like an hour to, you know, see a game. Yeah. They, so, but I, I love learning about, talk it. about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. have the devs talk about it. Don't cut back yeah. and be like, "Hey, I would you like have two streamers talk about? It. Hey, yeah, that looked good. That no, no just cut that out, and then just be yeah. like, "Hey, show off the game. Cool. If you want to have the dev talk about, okay, what is this game? You know, they're you know passionate about it. Cool, because people still are intrigued by that. But when you cut back and it's like ten minutes, and I'm just gonna sit here and watch streamers just talk about." A couple of the games they just saw and like no one cares yeah they'll go they'll do that after but they'll go to youtube and they'll go to that person's page and they can tell them what they thought about it (laughs) um now they did do some cool ones where they had the the streamers interviewing the devs and some of those were good because the streamers knew how to interview and some of them were bad because the streamers didn't know how to interview right um you give the streamer a script and you have them ask the specific questions and that's it. And maybe add a little bit of their own personal flair. But you, you give them a script of the questions that the developers want asked. You, you, you let them ask those. And I think that'd make for a good show. Because it is Twitch is like co-partnering this. So they're going to be involved in some way. But um, yeah, I, I hope that it's... I hope that they get the hosting better. Because that was the only thing that I thought was bad about the last event. I just had it on in the background. And, it was like over three uh, hours long. Yeah. It was yeah, it was four and a half hours long. That that's the mindlessness I'm talking about is like it's not the content that's given to you, but it's how it's delivered to you. Yeah. Um I, I think they should break them up and do it over the course of a week. You know, if it, if you're gonna have four hours of stuff to show, that's fine. You know, you wanna interview each of the dev studios making it for fifteen minutes and let them talk about their stuff, cool. Break it up into hour chunks. Do a Nintendo direct. And then do it like yep. a tr- treehouse after, like how they do it, and they can yep. talk with the dev and like, oh, we're playing this game. What's this part? Cool. If someone is intrigued brilliant... by one of those games, then they can go watch that later. That's actually <laughs> a brilliant solution to it. Do do a do a, make the first 30, 30, 40 minutes of it the actual showing of yeah, each of the games. Game after game, like briefly. a Nintendo Direct. And then you can have three and a half hours afterwards where each of the developers gets to talk, and the people who are very interested in that, like myself. I'll have a great time watching it, you know? Yeah. People who just just want the trailers. Think they, about it. Nintendo Directs. Some Nintendo Directs, if it was three to four hours long, they would be terrible. Yeah. But yes. since they made it ten minutes, 
oh, okay, cool. That wasn't that bad. And then maybe I'll check out that game. It looks kind of cool. But if I had to sit through three to four hours to find find that yeah. in the middle, I would have been pissed about sitting there watching that whole thing. And then it gets you a bad taste in your mouth, and you're like, oh, what? You know, I'm never even going to watch these again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned the Nintendo Directs because you know, I keep looking back at them and, you know, for the most part, I do enjoy them. Uh, their pacing's usually good. And again, the developer commentary is not too long. It's not too short. Just, I don't waste your time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know. I just it seems to work really well. I know, like, Sony has their state of plays, but they're a little bit different. They don't usually run as long, but they usually only focus on a couple of, well, a couple of games per se. I mean, actually, the last one, I don't know if you guys caught the last day of play a couple of bad. days ago. It it wasn't too good. Because, <laughs> um, what, they have, the state of plays are their short ones where it's, like, supposed to be, like, one game is the focus, and then they show, like, four to five other games. And what's the other one called? They do have another one. Where they're, they're the longer ones, where like they they actually announce stuff. Like when they announced Spider Man Two, they announced um like the the Star Wars game. That's actually I, I know they call it something different. I, I can never keep that one straight. I think that was a state of is it, play as well. I think I think it was it? just a I, when they shoot off God of War Ragnarok, and I think it was just I think that was the, I don't think there was another name. I can't remember if it was oh, either a state of play or at Gamescom, now that I, th- I think of it. Mm. Oh, yeah, maybe it was Gamescom. I mean, I, I want to say it was just a regular state of play. It was but... either state of play or it was Gamescom. It was something like that. Or mm-hmm. Sony Sony Experience or something. Mm-hmm. Sony Experience Wait, Sony used to be their once-a-year show, but they like stopped doing those, and I'm frustrated because I liked them a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used to go to the movie theater and watch their uh, E3. You get some cool swag and stuff. But... PlayStation showcases. They call them the PlayStation showcase. Oh, yeah, I was thinking it was something that's like, what they're called. Like XO. It was like some. Yeah, I knew it was, th- there was some other show that they. Had. They're like their E3 style events that they haphazardly do whenever they have enough content to show. <clears throat> that the yeah. they, the last one was the one where they that started with Knights of the Republic and then they finally showed uh, gameplay for God of War. I'm, I'm sorry. Were we just trying to figure out PSX? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was the, that was that was the that was the symbols when they would have the experiences. I yeah. remember the PSX like logo. They went away, I think, and they just brought it back. I think this past. Uh, year. Dude, I haven't seen a PSX in God, what? Th- yeah, three, four years. I, I think they they stopped the they stopped the PSX branding when they pulled out of E three, I believe. And now they just call their larger showcases that are like an hour long the PlayStation showcases, and the, the smaller ones are the uh, state of plays. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shockley, buddy, uh, what do you think of Xbox possibly like having a like either a May or a June event, also uh, a September event? Uh, like, do you think they have enough content in the works for that, or uh, you know, do you think that uh, you know it's a good idea having those kind uh, types of shows? Like, uh, what what are your thoughts on all this? What's being said? Yeah, I mean, I. I think the September one would sound good because probably around that time, I mean, there's been no official word of a delay for Redfall. Um, so I'm not sure when they were planning. Maybe that's when they were going to show it off on like something like a May show or something, you know, because it become it's supposed to come out like in the sum somewhere falling in <laughs> the summer. So it could be at the very end of summer or whenever. Um, so I could see them showing that off on like the May one because it wouldn't, they wouldn't need to put it on the E3. I guess they could. 
still um depending on when when it's supposed to come out because all they ever said was summer so who knows well presumably Um, unless it doesn't get delayed right yeah i mean but those early shots of it looked Mm. like someone was running could have been running that on like demoing it but depending on what they're running on it looks like it was chugging but who knows if i ran so (laughs) if i ran red dead on my older pc and look like shit too it looked great in some of the stills because some of the stills it looked oh this looks pretty cool but when you saw it in motion it's kind of like ooh, this kind of shit <laughs> right as someone who's done a little bit of testing for like games that are like nda very early in development mm-hmm. they almost always look bad because they've done literal like there are art animations are straight up missing there are um yeah the, like there's no optimization there's nothing like that because they're, they're just you're usually testing like a specific system they they want you to say hey how does the economy feel or hey how does this boss fight feel in particular and so they can get an idea of like what might need to be changed in the game at large and you almost always get a bad bad version of yeah. the game and that's what that was that was what it's from it was leaked from a qa um development yeah thing. and that was so, like old that was old too that was like september yeah i think it's yeah. last year so so i that that is it might be representative of the gameplay but i would not take mm-hmm. visuals or performance just plus i've never seen arcane them, but... show off like had bad a bad yeah showing. no so but i mean the last one the september one they probably was going to happen at e3 they'll show off like have todd howard kind of talk a little bit more about kind of like how he did with fallout 4 when they first showed it off at e3 um, and then maybe they'll have a September show where they go like just full blown. You show you even more because uh, there's probably that game is probably going to be you know massive. They've been working on it so long, um, and we've just seen like what Elden Ring's world is. Just when you think you've you know like oh this map's pretty big, and you're like oh okay it's 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 even bigger than and even more so. You just keep finding more and more of the map keeps opening. You're like okay how how far does this actually go? So. I'm sure, especially with that being space, you know, and it's going to have, like, what people call it, like, Skyrim in space, so there should be, like, a almost like an endless amount of, like, I don't know how you put boundaries on a universe. <laughs> like, if we're allowed to go, I don't know if it's going to be, like, a, a No Man's Sky, where you're just, like, going in and out of worlds, but I'm sure they'll have a ton of content to show, but they'll probably also have a ton of indies that they've also backed. Hopefully, they can show off more we know stalker 2 got delayed so maybe that won't see it at e3 but you might see some of that to show because it'll be coming out a few months closer uh i wouldn't expect to see stalker because they've stopped development they're in ukraine oh they did they said that they did there's yeah they paused it completely because they're they're working on like making sure their staff survived the conflict yeah okay i wasn't sure if they were doing a lot of remote work anyway no no okay I would just yeah. expect that game to be pushed back well into next year, unfortunately. Yeah, so. yeah 2023, maybe even 2024 now. Like, yeah. see, That's just a, a tough spot where Xbox is in, where people are like, where are the games? There's still no games until the end of the year. Although Sony had pretty much the same issue last year. They just had the games at the beginning of the year, other than the yeah. Deathloop timed exclusive that they, you know, money added. Well, um, to I, be fair though, Shock, to be fair though, I mean, there's already a whole bunch of games that they announced like a year or two ago that we still haven't mm-hmm. gotten any updates on. So, plus all the the other studios that haven't announced like 
whatever IP. I mean, we're still waiting on Compulsion, for example, and a few others. Uh, they have content. Well, think about it. We just saw God of War gameplay for the very first time. And if you yeah. think about it, that game came out, the last one came out when when Xbox bought, made the initiative, created it, or bought those studios, was first buying those studios in 2018. And we yeah. just got the first, just a few months back, got the first glimpse of any gameplay from an established, you know, uh, a studio with a great pedigree versus like they don't have anything like that like playground's great but like they're also tackling their first open world non-racing game Mm -hmm. so so from from that from that field of people that they got in 2018 because that's what people also forget like where are the games they bought the they bought these uh bethesda last year or they'll think like hey they bought them in 20 uh the year before that because that's not actually when they bought them they got them march last year (laughs) but again you have to think about hey the Ghostwire Tokyo, Deathloop, those are Sony already deals made in stone. And it, it's going to take time. It took forever for for uh, Horizon Forbidden West to come out. That was 2017. We, hell, Breath of the Wild. We still haven't seen any actual like gameplay of that. Is that even going to make it this year? Who knows? That came out in the same year as the last Horizon. So it's like people yeah. have got to understand that games actually take time. But unfortunately, Xbox just had to add games. So it looks even worse. That's that's their issue. And then mm-hmm. <laughs> their game that looked the best that everybody was like, "Oh damn, that looks really good." Stalker, unfortunately, are in the battle. You know, unfortunately, hopefully they stay safe. But they're in the middle yep. of a freaking war. So yeah, well, even uh, you know, yeah, gonna do. yeah, and the same thing can go with uh, like Atomic Heart. It's made by a Russian studio. Who knows what the Rock heck is going to? Who knew Remedy was going to drop the ball? In a massive way, like that. <laughs> is the single player any good? It's it's, a... it's a, I hear it's okay. Yeah, like it's nothing. Okay, because they did, at Remedy all. didn't make the multiplayer. That was that no. was Smilegate. Um, that was Smile. See, a lot of people they played the Smilegate uh, beta when they first when Phil came out like, "Hey, multiplayer's coming for Crossfire." I'm like, oh, "Okay, cool." A lot of a lot of people played it, and they were like, "Okay, cool. Not gonna ever touch that again." But when the E3 they had after that, that's when they were like, wait, Remedy's making a single-player campaign to go with it. And then you were like, oh, shit, okay, well, Remedy just made Control. They're good. Okay, well, in that, in that trailer, a lot of people watched it. You watch the streams. They were like, oh, shit, that looks kind of cool. It looked pretty sweet. And then we didn't hear anything about it. And then, then they dropped this, and, like, that was it. I, I thought it was going to be a pretty good full-fledged campaign, not a $20 single-player game yeah <laughs> yeah same. we didn't know what it was supposed to be <laughs> yeah they were very vague about it um you know they didn't talk about it for a while I, you know it's interesting because i actually kind of like the campaign portion that was able to be played it's all right i mean i would say that it's worth kind of playing but it's not again like they're they're breaking it up right because i think this the the first one was called catalyst or something and there's going to be more to it. It's just, it, again, it's broken up. But the, well, issue... the other piece is out. You have to buy it. Yeah. 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 And, you know, if you don't like necessarily the campaign, it's like, okay, you got the multiplayer, but the multiplayer, the aiming's kind of janky. I don't know if they fixed it recently. But, and also. It's budget you... CSGO. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's, that's, and you only that's have like 
a couple of maps on a couple of modes it's it's very limited and i just i i just i really want to know like what the heck happened with the quality control with this game with uh between xbox smilegate remedies and actually doesn't seem to be as bad they seem to have actually done a pretty good job considering but again the marketing was kind of dropped on this one too you, again you yeah. think that you would be pushing a remedy like campaign oh a game made by remedy but again nothing was really hyped up about it that immediately kind of uh you know drew red flags in my head uh not hearing about it so yeah yeah, it's too bad too bad i mean again like if you know i suggest if people want to try it out they're more than welcome to i mean it's a very passable kind of campaign it's all right that portion but you know just don't go into it expecting call of duty or anything like that so yeah okay we're getting to that point we're getting to that point where it's going to be like game after game after like Obviously, if Arcane hits like they're supposed to with Redfall, if that hits like they t- obviously they felt good enough that they wanted to go without any gameplay, wanted to go out and give us a date, so they should feel at least somewhat pretty confident that they're going to hit at least twenty twenty two. And then I, we know that that you know Todd Howard's pedigree he <laughs> he didn't show gameplay until just a few months, and I, I have faith and trust in him because he's done it over and over. Um, so if those games they gave us a date, Starfield's date. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if Starfield's like a banger, like how even if you didn't like Fallout Four, it was still it crushed everything. It, it's the reason why Rise of the Tomb Raider was a complete afterthought and did terrible in sales. Like mm. it's still crushed, um, and it was still a, gr- a great game. Like it just may have not like was you know on coming off of Las Vegas or uh, New Vegas, it probably wasn't like the leap that you wanted but it was still a solid game so if if starfield's a banger and then i'm sure some of their games that they did invest in back in you know five six years ago with with those newer studios uh whether it's like perfect dark um or hellblade looks like it's they they backed that up recently and they said no that was actual gameplay it wasn't just because people were saying oh that was just like a quick time or like a can't you know what do you call it like a staged it's like no, that was actual gameplay. So I mean, we'll see. But if that was, and well, shit, that looked pretty good. Maybe that comes out in twenty twenty, end of twenty twenty three. Like, so it seems like they're gonna eventually with the amount of studios they have, games are gonna be coming eventually when they hit. <laughs> so, yeah. Unfortunately, they picked up Bethesda when they didn't get Bethesda before uh, Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo got money had it. Otherwise, you would have had. Deathloop coming out, you would you would have had a better year for Xbox than Sony, and last year, and then you would have had Ghostwire Tokyo dropping early this year, Redfall summer, Starfield to end. You would have had Stalker to like they had their line stuff up, so it's not like they're ignoring their fans. You know, they're unfortunately the world's in you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. shit place sometimes, so shit's not you know just a bad. Hey, I play more my Xbox than my Switch. The Switch has been like, unless you like Pokemon, everything is great and Metroid, but you know, otherwise most of their years kind of, they don't have Elden Ring and other things to back them up when there's nothing else to play. Like Xbox has plenty to play. Scarlet Nexus. Yeah. Those of Arise, like you have games to play, so. Yeah, they're uh, going to miss out on a lot of third party. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, I do think that we're going to see, again, more shows from them, uh, more variety, focusing on 
different aspects, you know, uh, different, uh, you know, whether it be first party, third party, whatnot. Uh, they, they have a lot of content in the pipelines. Uh, speaking of which, we have a super chat from Carlos Alvarado for $1.99. Thank you very much, Carlos. It's appreciated. XBX needs a roadmap yearly. Can't be at E3 or uh, end of 2022. Well, I mean, I think we're going to get to that point, Carlos. I mean, I, I understand totally what you mean. It sucks when there's not a lot of communication at certain points. But I think that, again, given, given the circumstances, you know, devs have just started really going into their offices within the last few months things seem to be returning back to normal and uh, hopefully normal types of development um I, I we should be getting a better layout a better roadmap i would say maybe not this year but into the next year i just i, I would give have a little like a little bit of patience when it comes uh to the development right now but Again, I'm not I'm not hurting on games. I still have the backlog as I talk about often. I just beat Ratchet and Clank, the latest one. It, good game, by the way. But uh, I'm I'm literally sifting through like piles of games. So, but there is a lot to that be new Final Fantasy to. games dropping this month. Mm-hmm. There's a punch six thousand point punch card and those reward points. Grab that demos out too. So that looks pretty fire. So I'm like, you got shit to play. But mm-hmm. yeah, unfortunately, they do need to step it up and give us better roadmaps. I totally agree. Yeah. THQ Nordic does this cool thing at their shows where they, um, at the end of the show, they're like, we just uh, showed this many games. Um, we have announced this many games and we have this many total games in active development, right? I'd mm-hmm. love to just get that at the end of an Xbox showcase, right? Yeah. Hey, we just showed you 50 games. Uh, Xbox, uh, across all of the Xbox family of studios, we have this many games in development currently. Mm-hmm. That would yeah. be awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a fair assessment for sure. I, I, I do think that there is, you know, definitely a converse, strong conversation about that for sure. And I, I think that Xbox is listening. It just, again, it's going to, you know, maybe not this year, but I think we will start to be getting better roadmaps towards the end of the year, if not next year. So just a tiny bit, a little, little bit of patience. Uh, let's see, guys. I, I think we'll, uh, move on to, uh, some other bits of news, and, uh, let's see what else is on the docket here. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we all know that over the last year, guys, Xbox Game Studios has had a bunch of well-received games. Uh, well, earlier this week, uh, review aggregator Metacritic put out their list of top game publishers, with Xbox Game Studios topping its list, beating out... Lots of traditionally strong rivals, like, against Sony and so on, Nintendo. Uh, I am really dying to know the panel's thoughts on this. I guess you will call it a milestone. A Crusader, but I'll, I'll hit you up first on this one. Uh, we're used to other publishers really leading in these types of charts, um, you know, if I'm to be completely honest. But is this a considerable watershed point in time for Xbox, would you say? So I think the bigger deal is the key, is the amount of games that they had at a high score this year. Not even so much that the games were a high score. because Most Xbox games are 80-plus, with a, a few exceptions. Um, I do think that overall, you're still going to see Xbox's average be lower. Not because they're going to put out lower-quality games, but because when you, you're creating so many games within your first party, 
and then you're publishing through third party. You have a lot more chances to do great things. You also have a lot more chances to do poor things. And especially with Game Pass, they're going to be doing with their third party publishing and then some of the smaller studios like Double Fine. Mm -hmm. They're going to be doing a lot of very experimental things and those can either go really well or really poorly. Like look at Bleeding Edge with Ninja Theory. That was not not great. Yeah. <laughs> um so I'm expecting that you're going to see as many quality games from Xbox as all of their competitors, maybe even a few more just because of how many studios they have. Uh, whether or not their averages will always be higher or not is, you know, when you have so many games, like there's a there's a chance that one of them's not going to do well. And that brings your average down. Um, so and I really don't like aggregate website because okay. as a, I'm a mathematician and a computer scientist by uh, by trade. And uh, the aggregate sites do this thing where they take all of the different scales and they convert them all to a one out of a hundred scale, right? Even though people like Jeff Grubb do their scale one out of five and a one out of a five is more like a A through F uh, from like, you know, getting graded in high school where a one is realistically the range between zero and 59, like a failing grade. So a, a one does not equal a 20. Does that make sense if you were to convert it to a, a 100 scale? Okay, but yeah. Metacritic treats it as such, right? Because uh, like a five-star review, a, a five-star, like the five-star is probably equivalent to a 90 to 100. Uh, whereas like it being a one-star, a one-star could be like, a zero through a 59 you know you don't really know what their their rating systems how they're how they're using them because if their rating system is like a through f that doesn't equate to one to 100 does that make sense like it, like the the categories don't break up evenly right yeah and then your other thing is they're using different rubrics you know what is digital foundry considering important in their review versus say uh, like Windows Central, like th there's no standardized rubric. Right. So the aggregate doesn't mean much to me as a mathematician because they're not all using the same system to, to grade, uh, both numerically and like as like actually judging it. They're not using the same system. So yeah. I, I like the aggregate sites to tell me roughly is this game good or bad, right? Like if it's above a 75, it's good and I'll consider playing it. If it's below 75, then it's bad and I really need to look more into it. The other thing I like them for is I can get all my news, all of my reviews in one place. So the people that like, I have like five or six sites that I like to read the reviews from. Right. So I can get them all in one place. Um, but I, I do think it's good that Microsoft had really high scores this year. Um, I individual scores. I don't really care about. Um, but you know, it was a very, very good year. We had so many good games come out, you know? Were all of them exclusive? No, I don't. They weren't. But guess what? They were all on Game Pass except for Deathloop, and Deathloop's going to be on Game Pass this year. So, I'm playing good games. I'm paying for them at a very cheap rate. It was a great year for me as a consumer. Yeah, yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> well, I have to say, like Metacritic itself, like the aggregators, I, I. I, I try not to bring them up a lot per se because I agree with a lot what you're saying there. Uh, obviously, different people, different sites, they they weight things differently, or they may be bugged about. 
I don't know, maybe they're bugged more about certain narrative aspects of game rather than gameplay or vice versa. Again, they, they weight things differently, so it's, it's a matter of opinion, of course. Uh, you just hope that, again, they bring up a lot of certain things, a lot of complaints that, you know, okay, maybe I could see, you know, if it's weighted, a, you know, if they bring up a bunch of certain things that seem to be a common issue, that, yeah, you know, I either stay away from that game or I wait a bit and so on until things get fixed. Um... But, I mean, usually, you know, it, it is a good idea just to see, oh, okay, you know, this game's uh, doing pretty well. Maybe I should check that out, right? And, I mean, overall, I mean, for Xbox, yeah, I mean, it was pretty good. Uh, if you look at what was leading here in, like, the 90s for the Metacritics overall, you got Forza Horizon 5, Psychonaut 2, Microsoft Flight Simulator. I mean, I can vouch for those games, uh, games personally. I played them. They're pretty awesome games in their own genres. Uh, the only one that kind of drops below a bit, but not by much, is Halo Infinite at 87, but that's still, I mean, that's still, uh, fairly decent. But then again, I like games that, I don't know, again, like, I have my own judgments, of course we all have our, those, uh, I'm guilty of liking games that have, you know, I've seen Metacritics for, like, 65s, 70s, and so on, I mean, those are still pretty good in my opinion, it's just a matter of, uh, personal taste, uh, but yeah, the overall meta for the 2021 games is 87.4, which, again, if you're looking at Microsoft Game Studios, that's scoring very well, considering, you know, I mean, they didn't have a lot of first-party games, but they really hit the nail on the head with them. Uh, I just hope that, in, again, in the coming year or so, we see increased quality from... You know, the likes of Bethesda and ZeniMax Studios, Starfield is obviously going to be a big game, their big game at the end of the year. Um, I'm curious, Centurion, uh, what do you have uh, thoughts on here for, uh, you know, Metacritic and whatnot? Uh, like, <laughs> please go into detail. I, I would love to know your thoughts because I know that you have plenty of them. Well, I have been openly against uh, how Metacritic works uh, for a very long time, and I think Crusader hit the nail on the head better than I've ever heard anybody explain it. Um, I do not like uh, how Metacritic works. They have a very top-secret algorithm that is completely flawed because of the number one problem that Crusader pointed out. Not everybody grades on the same scale. And we have also determined at a time that sometimes reviewers do grade on a curve. It, it does happen. So I don't like how Metacritic has been used for, like, I mean, like, I would not work for a company that looked me in the face and told me that I would get a bonus if I scored a certain Metacritic score with my product. I'd be like, what the hell? I don't like, I've never heard of an industry that basically your life revolves around some website scoring system. Um, but that being said, could you imagine five years ago holding this conversation? Uh, you know, if you were able to just all of a sudden pop in a TXR podcast from five years ago and be like, Hey, uh, Microsoft is going to be, uh, is going to own Bethesda. They're going to be in the ring to own Activision. And in 2021, they're going to be number one for Metacritic scores. Uh, you would completely think that somebody is completely lying. Um, Microsoft has really, really changed the direction of the narrative that was taken from when the Xbox One was originally launched in 2013 to now. The narrative is totally, totally different, and 
it's great to see what Microsoft has done. Uh, it's doing nothing but benefit us consumers. We're going to see more great games come out, and we're going to see even better scores come out. I really hope Microsoft is able to push that number higher because uh, we all talked. You guys just mentioned it. We're going to have Starfield and other great games come out that are going to potentially drive that number higher for uh, 2022. And it's going to be a really great time for us gamers uh, with some really great gaming experiences. Microsoft is really starting to fire on all cylinders. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, what really is going to happen this generation between Microsoft, PlayStation, and all the other players that are wanting to throw their hat in the ring. Um, we truly have a very competitive generation starting to take place this year. And it's going to be very interesting to watch it unfold. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I think the end of this year is going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, the first half of this one, again, because of the just the conditions of how things are with any of the publishers, not just Microsoft, but again, it's just it's going to be a little light. Uh, however, the end of the year, from what I can tell, it's going to finish strong. Uh, we don't know how Redfall is going to fit in here. I mean, we heard originally summer twenty twenty two, but we will see what happens there when i say it's getting competitive Mm -hmm. is i don't mean like the market's going to be flooded with games oh yeah but it just seems like all the big players are on an even playing field right now and nobody just had not one company has a larger advantage over the other Mm -hmm. no that's a fair assessment that's certainly a fair assessment uh shockley buddy what's your thoughts on uh xbox like topping this metacritic list uh Again, uh, well, just also your overall thoughts on Metacritic 2, I guess, because, I mean, obviously, Crusader, Centurion, and myself, like, we're not huge, per se, on Metacritic, but, I mean, it is useful for gauging some things in any case. And it is good, It is good, in my opinion, to see that, obviously, Xbox is uh, performing well overall, right, in reviews. But, uh, please, well, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a good source to find, like, all of your at least top publication reviews if you're just trying to find them for a game. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, when we all look at that score, um, and sometimes whether you like it or not, it's going to sway you one way, even if you don't bother to read a lot of the reviews. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, some people's scores aren't going to... People are like, hey, you gave... Like Jeff was getting... Jeff Grover was getting into it with people there saying, "You well, you gave this game a 60. So you're... I'm like no, I gave it a three out of five. Just like, well, it's the same thing. It's like, well, it's kind of not, but, <laughs> um, but then a lot of a lot of uh, people that do give scores, um, um, I think uh, Jeff Grossman was talking about like giving like we should get away from like giving scores in general. Just give your overall like, hey, here's my feelings of the game, you know. So you can tell like someone is super enthusiastic, or if they're like, you know, um. Yeah, it's, you know, you gotta have a lot of fun with it because that's all that matters because you'll play a game and it may not be um, what you would think of like a... Because people give like 10 out of 10s and some people, a 10 out of 10 is has to be perfect. Some people, like with Elden Ring, that got a lot of 10s. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it has... But if it can make a huge leap to what you, you know, you're used to playing in some of these open world games, then... You know, if something's like feels like you're not not well, sometimes groundbreaking, but like 
something that just kind of makes like, oh, I haven't seen or experienced games like in a game like in this way that's open world or, you know, thing like Breath of the Wild when it came out. You're like, oh, crap, I can actually traverse on like every piece of object. You know, you could climb like every mountain. You usually couldn't do that in a lot of games. Um, you know, you'd be playing Skyrim and then you slide down a mountain. You know, if it was like too steep, you couldn't just keep climbing. Um, so like stuff, so stuff is going to mean different scores are going to mean different scores to other people. So like the whole score thing is, is just kind of in some publications are worth their weighted more than others. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that part's like not even equal. It doesn't even, if you average out all the scores, it doesn't even come out to this correct number. Um, so I, Really, it just gets more thrown around of like, you know, poking fun at things like, you know, like, hey, look at, you know, this game got this. Like when gear, <laughs> like it was, it's more for fun and for Twitter, Twitter awards is what it's more useful out, you know, these days as far as the number itself. You right. know, like everybody was shitting on gears and was like, hey, Death Stranding is going to just destroy it. And then when Death Stranding fell below Gears 5 uh, Metacritic score, we all had fun with it because all the shit that it, you know, we were hearing about this Death Stranding game. Um, so other than that, that's all Metacritic has really turned into at this point. Because um, you even look at their movies. The movies doesn't really match up. Not that Rot Rotten Tomatoes is perfect, but I feel like, like with like, uh, like you'll see a movie that gets like really high rating and it's getting high, a ton of high praise, but it doesn't. Most even great movies that come out in the year. It doesn't equal out to like uh like a nine you won't see a movie with a ninety Metacritic. <laughs> Just because kind of like what Crusader was saying, because they give it on a different scale. They're like, hey, it's four out of five, it's a great, great movie, but maybe it's not like a like some people has to be like a Godfather part two type movie for it to for them to give you a uh, you know, a five. So four is still a great, awesome, amazing movie to them. So when you add that up, oh well that's only an eighty. So you know and that's and if someone's just a little bit below that then you're in the 70s so you don't really even see movies ever hit close to as high as games get um so it's just like a weird system but mm -hmm. yeah it's unfortunately it's better just to find the reviewers or find people that you feel like play like the same type of things you like um and that's what a lot of people do and you'll go to those youtubers that are like hey hey i follow you haven't strayed me wrong in the past so cool you like that game cool i'm probably gonna like it too you know let actually listen to the per person's review versus just looking at the score and then okay cool i'm gonna like it kind of like what a lot of people found out with Elden ring oh it's a 97 oh cool i'm gonna go get it oh crap this is a souls game <laughs> well you we should have read the <laughs> review you'd probably have figured that out <laughs> yeah yeah good point actually uh Basically, yeah, same thing. Uh, I, I agree with what you said, Shockley. You know, I, I like to find people that, you know, again, you have similar tastes. You know, everybody seems to have, like, you know, a couple of, uh, whether it be YouTube YouTubers or uh, journalists or whatnot, that they just stick to for, again, trusted opinions, uh, you know, ones with similar tastes and so on. So, I would say, you know, again, just, you know, stick to... Uh, what you're comfortable with don't necessarily follow you know the numbers per se but again on that though i mean it is nice to see you know xbox game studios doing well in any case uh 
again, Xbox came out number one here on their chart. Bethesda was at number five. And, you know, interestingly enough, Activision was at number four um, in the list. Uh, but again, they didn't really have too many games, uh, per se. There was the Tony Hawk 1 and 2 remaster, Crash 4. Those did well. Uh, it just Call of Duty Vanguard kind of uh, was, well, a critically, like, I mean, it still sold really well. It's one of the best sold games uh, in the year. It just it kind of got critically panned in a lot of ways but uh i think you know with xbox taking over hopefully the deal goes through but i think you'll see a lot of uh quality improvements going forward at least that's the hope there anyways but uh i don't guys either way um it, it is good seeing these metacritic uh charts and to just see xbox doing well overall i mean i think that uh, it's, it's a good sign anyways and Again, I can't really say much about this year, but I think they'll finish off strong, and I think 2023 is, well, looking at their timetable, is going to be a spectacular year. All right, uh, next over to some uh, studio-specific talk, uh, something that actually the panel was talking about uh, before the show started. And over the past few days, there's been articles coming out about the initiative, uh, specifically... A dev overseeing Perfect Dark. Well, you know, some sleuths were looking at LinkedIn, and it appears that the game's director has moved on to other past years, other things. That person being Dan Newberger. And to be fair, that, you know, it's always, like, eye-catching when you see, like, a prominent member of a studio leaving a project. But, I mean, you know, there are... You know, there's time framing and so on. Just because you see somebody leave and the game's not out yet doesn't mean that they didn't do their part. But again, we'll get into that. Uh, Shockley, buddy, uh, should we be concerned over this uh, game director leaving? Or is this just like a natural phase of game development? Yeah, with this one, I, I think that's just kind of like a a natural phase. Um, I mean, it's it's also been like four something years since he's been there. And if you think about it with the creative director, like they're kind of setting the stage of like, okay, here's the scope. Kind of like when you, we saw Drew Mary, who was the previous one, um, you saw him in the, you know, he was the one of the first ones or the first one telling us like, you know, what this game was, um, kind of like what the, their idea um, around this world, like what it, what was, how are they were going to go from the N64 games or the 360 sequel to like this and really evolve um this world into something more like modern um or something more realistic um so i think some of the, a lot of that groundwork's been done so it's not like hey they just started this project last year and then the creative like it's it's been a few years <laughs> um and so, and especially now that they're on more of the hey cool because initiative like even with their name they've and they said it from the get-go, they're staying small and agile. Mm -hmm. um, so it sounds like what their goal is to like, hey, be able to make more projects quickly, set up of, oh, cool, this is the game we want. Here's everything that's needed. It's kind of like when you need to get labor, like, hey, I've invented this product. Cool. I just need uh, to find a manufacturer in China to make this new gadget. Cool. I found a supplier. So it's kind of like, that's kind of where Crystal Dynamics is coming in because they have the manpower. They have they are AAA 
studio. They have the manpower, and that's what they need. Initiative still isn't like to that level of being able to grow, and they probably it's hard for them to also do that. Probably also <laughs> during the pandemic uh, to grow to that size that quickly. Um, so this kind of allows them to, hey, cool, we got our idea, we got everything, the world, everything that we want about this game. We just need manpower to go in there and actually create what we've laid out. Um, so if that's their goal, they don't need, you know, probably the creative director to, because we don't know what, what their whole deal is. But at a certain point, when somebody's contract is up or whenever they're done or not needed, if they're not moving on to a project right away, that's where someone might leave to move up to a you know different position. Kind of like how Drew, when he first came over, to Jim Murray when he came over to the initiative, um, you know, he was taking on this new project. He was probably given a lot more leeway and like just or just like lead of this project because Daryl Gallagher was kind of like managing the studio. Um, so I think that's probably why he came here because he was like, oh, cool, this seems like a great opportunity where I get probably even more, you know, freedom of like imprinting my, you know, creative prowess on this game than he probably was at insomniac um, just because it was something new like you're the one of the first ones there so you're going to have a lot of say in what goes um so i don't and i think the other guy that just left he's been there quite a you know from the get-go or pretty close to it um and i think he was probably when drew kind of stepped away abruptly because i think it was uh right after his brother had died and he said he was for personal reasons so you know Seems like that could have been one of those personal reasons that he was referring to. Um, so that probably, they probably didn't expect him to stop away that quickly, but given the circumstances, um, and he didn't go straight to Insomniac. He, you know, laid low for, I think it was a few months before they probably said, hey, you know, here we got something. You don't have to be like the lead of this, you know, our next game, but hey. And then he felt comfortable and went went there. But I think the the guy that just left, he was probably like, they needed somebody to, you know, continue on <laughs> with next week's, you know, uh, with that position. Um, so kind of like how Chris Lee had to step in, you know, with now with Halo, we heard all the turmoil that was going over there. Um, but, you know, you need somebody to take over if someone has to step away. Um, so, I mean, I, and we haven't seen anything to say that, oh, it's bad or we haven't heard anything. To say otherwise so to just assume that oh the creative director left it's kind of like when amy hennig left it's like to just say hey the next uncharted 4 is going to be a complete shit show like based off what <laughs> so you're just assuming and just talking out of your ass if you say either way um so i mean I, and at this point crystal dynamics is in there partnering with them to get all the you know um, get all that labor, get a, everything put into place. Got you know they have the manpower. If Daryl Gallagher had left, I'd be more worried about that. The actual lead that you know we've seen what he did with. He actually made Tomb Raider a cool game to play. I'm sorry if you liked Tomb Raider before, but I hated Tomb Raider when I had it on PC on <laughs> back in the 90s. Um, I, I mean, it was kind of cool, but it was like cool. I'd rather go play back to Mario 64 because I hate whatever this is. <laughs> um, but he made a Tomb Raider game that I really liked. So shout out to him. I didn't think that was possible. Um, and then we've, so we've seen what he's rebooted. We, he's basically done what they're trying to do here. 
Um, if he had left, then you could be a little bit more skeptical because they're skeptical because he's the one, it's his brainchild basically of like the studio. So if he left, then that's the top leader. <laughs> so if, it's like if Phil just left tomorrow and you're like, okay, crap. It's kind of like when, you know, everybody left and Phil was just kind of the fill and you're like, okay, where's Xbox going? Cause the head, you know, is actually just gone. <laughs> there is no head. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that would be more worrisome, whereas, you know, they can find there's plenty of talent to go around. Uh, people going from different, they, that's, that's where they got a lot of these people from Sony Studios, from Rockstar Studios that came over, you know, to uh, to the initiative to get from to begin with. These were people from other talent, you know, talented people from other studios. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be that too worried about it unless... You know, unless we're seeing, hey, there's gonna, uh, there's been a delay, there's, you know, and we don't hear anything about it for two more years, then maybe, like, right. if you don't hear anything about it, even a sh- like at least a an idea or more of a showing sometime this year at one of these shows, then you might worry, but just because given that they wanted to show that teaser off at what was it, uh, was it the year prior? It was 2020, right? Yeah, it was late uh, uh, game, 20, game, game awards. awards. Yeah. So if you don't hear anything. And, you know, sometime by the end of 2022 of one of their shows, at least just of, you know, an update after they've already kind of updated to like, hey, Crystal Dynamics has kind of come in. Then you might want to say like, OK, be word. But I mean, this is. I don't know. It, it, it There's nothing really to worry about. Someone's going to take over. There's it, it, there's not like, hey, there's only two good creative directors in the world like <laughs> It's just kind of stupid for everybody to be like, oh my God, what's, and, and I, know, I know why people are doing it. Most of the people are just doing it to get at other people. Like on Twitter, you see the people that are doing it is mostly uh, fanboys that usually troll. You just look at their feet of like, oh, okay, you're not actually sincere about what you're saying. We know why you're saying it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think people are necessarily being too sincere. Like you say, you know, people bring up like console war stuff. Oh, so and so left the studio, blah blah blah. No, I mean, like we haven't heard anything negative about the initiative, like, you know, like conditions at the studio or, you know, just different workplace things or a lot of people leaving. Just again, like people come and go. These the studio has been around since 2018. I could understand there was a slew of devs leaving at once or within a certain time period. But again, like Drew Murray was uh, again, like like that was a different story altogether. Like he left like a year or so ago. Um, The game director leaving right now. I mean, again, you look at the development time and, you know, when this game is possibly going to get released. Um, Again, we haven't seen any gameplay for it, but they're the initiative is working in tandem in partnership with crystal dynamics. They did give us that update of like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, this is what we're doing. So, yeah. And like you said, it's supposed to be the smaller, lighter studio or what was it? Small and agile. Um, They get again, they're, they're the ones that shape it. They put everything in place and it just seems like, again, crystal dynamics is going to be taking the reins to like, again, finish off, tidying it up and like getting everything down but the basics are all in place um i just i find i'd be more worried Mm -hmm. if drew was still the lead no like the creative lead if none of no one had left but we heard daryl gallagher Mm -hmm. left i'd be probably more worried about hey the head that you know 
kind of make sure everything goes together. You know, it's it's kind of like when you see like a coach, <laughs> you know, uh, like you have the, you have the coach. So like if he's still there, if you just lost one player, you know, or one piece, okay, I'm not losing my mind. Like okay, they'll kind of get rain things back in, you know, get us to where we need to be. So had he left, then I'd be like, oh crap, the whole lead of the actual project and studio that brought all this talent and everybody together. You know, obviously that talent wanted to follow Daryl Gallagher, and that's how he got him in the first place because he has right. a good pedigree, and people wanted to come work for him. So he's going to find other talent. He's going to poach other people if you know if he needs a new creative director to step in and really you know, you know, hammer down on on this title. So had he left, then I would have been like, cool, uh, or you know, I'd be more skeptical about that than <laughs> than the other way around. So. Yeah, I mean, I just find it funny that people are picking this apart. There hasn't really been, again, a lot of issues with the initiative. But, I mean, you know, there haven't been any signs of, like, a quote-unquote development hell. I mean, maybe you could say that about, uh, like, Rare's Everwild, for example, because I know that's been going through... Well, again, there's been a lot of talk about that, people, like, leaving and coming in, and there's been issues with just how, like, the shape of the game has been turning. Uh, with Perfect Dark, I, again, I haven't heard any of that, so I just, I think, you know, I mean, personally, that there's just a lot of nothing here, per se, but I, again, I would like to get everybody's opinion on the panel. Uh, Crusader, like, what are your thoughts on this? Like, do you think that people are just making too much of a big deal over uh, this person leaving, or, you know, is there possibly more to this? So this can be a big deal. We have nothing to suggest that it is or isn't. It's kind of like a yeah. Schrodinger's cat kind of thing. Well, we won't know until someone opens the box, like a Jason Schreier opens the box, right? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be concerned personally. Um, I, you know, I've always thought that they were a studio that was going to kind of like, like you said, they were going to kind of create the blueprint and then uh, some kind of external. Uh, studio similar to like behavior interactive or valkyrie or you know one of those um uh outsourcing studios was going to assist with their development based on how they were talking and uh i can't remember if it was jeff grubb or if it was jez corden one of them had speculated that uh this might have been the design of the studio in the first place was to get the groundwork up and running for like multiple games at a time and get like the core systems and like the core outlines of like what how what's going to happen how where like the core writing and stuff like that and outsource multiple projects at once to multiple external studios and uh seeing like them partnering with crystal dynamics kind of i don't want to say proves that but it leads you more in that direction of that might be what's happening and you know when you see cuz th this is a big name person who left i can't remember exactly what he did but he he was a rather talented person you know, the initiative is kind of designed to be like the Harlem Globetrotters of a uh, um, of game development, right? That they were supposed to be some of the top talent that they could hire across the industry. Like mm -hmm. everyone at that studio has like a, a massive amount of pedigree behind them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you hear big name has left the studio, and you're like, oh no, and you're like, wait, there's still like 50 more big names at the studio. Like it, it means like almost nothing. Um. Uh, 
Yeah, if we were hearing a mass exodus of people leaving, and, and then the other thing is Microsoft has, stu this is a Microsoft-founded subsidiary, which means it's subject to Microsoft's stupid hiring practices. Uh, if you don't know, Microsoft has rules, like, for, if you're a contract worker, you can only work there for, like, 16 months, and then you can't work there for, like, 12 months, and then you can come back. Um, and uh, if you're not a contract worker, the, the, it's not as stupid, but, like, so like you see a lot of people they'll they'll come for a year they'll work they'll work for a year and then they'll leave, and in a normal studio that kind of mass exodus would scare people. But at a Microsoft subsidiary like three four three or Perfect Dark, you're just gonna naturally see that because that's Microsoft's hiring studio. And I'm hoping that with Phil being the CEO of gaming or whatever his new title was that they they announced <laughs> yeah. that they're gonna have they're going to break away from Microsoft a little bit in that regard. Like they're going to be able to set up their own rules similar to how like the acquired subsidiaries operate. Like Bethesda that won't have those rules. Uh, uh, LinkedIn doesn't have those kind of hiring rules and things like that. It's a really weird company when it comes to nonsense with hiring and uh, development. And that's part of the reason why, you know, we saw the problems with Halo Infinite. You, you have a five-year mm -hmm. development cycle for a game, but you're only keeping your contracted workers for a year. It's it's stupid. Um, so hopefully we're we're getting away from getting away from that. It looks like the initiative has mostly not contract workers because of uh its nature of being small and hiring the the really like high quality people. They they would want them for more than a year. So I, I I also don't think that's going to be an issue with this studio. Um, I I really think that this is just the more of a a nothing burger than than anything. Um. Uh, and the uh, I would like to talk about one thing that Shock said with the um the the trailer being shown. What was it? At was it twenty twenty? Yeah, it was twenty twenty video game awards. Um. Microsoft does this thing with their games where they announce them way, way, way ahead of time, specifically, again, for hiring purposes. Uh, three, uh, there was a 343 lead dev who actually talked about it. They announced Halo Infinite years and years in advance, if you remember the Slip Space trailer, yep. where they showed off some of the tech. They, that trailer was made not even really for the fans. It was made to hire people because it is easier to hire uh, workers when you can directly just say this is what you're going to be working on. So if you just show the whole world that a new Halo is coming out in five years and we're developing, we're, we're grabbing up people now, it's a lot easier to hire. That's why you've seen so many games announced that they're saying, yeah, this is exceptionally early um, in the game's life cycle. Like we saw that with uh, Knights of the Old Republic remake. Knights of the Old Republic remake's not expected until like 2024, right? Um, or 2023 at the earliest. Well, even they like they announced Dragon it. Age. Yeah, yeah, Dragon Age is another one. They, and Mass Effect. Mass Effect's a huge one for Bioware. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They announced that way ahead of time. One, to satiate Mass Effect fans like me. If you can't tell I'm a Mass Effect fan by my picture, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but they announced that ahead of time because the industry's so competitive for hiring right now. Because there are so many studios making games. Games take so many people to make um, that, you know, 
if there's if there's someone that you could hire because they want to work on a Mass Effect or they want to work on a Perfect Dark, then you they're they're just saying it now. You know, they they announced like how many Star Wars games is Respawn working on? They announced like three of them. Yeah, a couple like that. weeks ago. Mm-hmm. They're announcing them like that because they need to get. You know, everyone loves Star Wars. You know what I mean? They pe- people want to work on Star Wars, so you announce it, you hire people, uh, and um, that's what I see with the Perfect Dark trailer being announced so early. That's what I see with Avowed being announced so early. Um, yes, yes, Avowed. <laughs> uh, Everwild announced so early. Now, granted, that game's in. You know, well, we've heard it's in an position. Everwild, um, to be fair, is in a much yeah. different position. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I still think that that's why they announced it so early, though, was hiring. Come work on this really pretty game that's in super early development. Um, so I'm I'm not so worried that even if we didn't see Perfect Dark in 2022, I think we will. But even if we didn't, I wouldn't be like, oh, God, it's in rough shape. I think Just you might because... see. Look at the timetable. They the year before that they showed us the teaser that wasn't even like I guess gameplay at all for uh, Hellblade. Yeah. And we already we just saw gameplay of Hellblade. So this came out the teaser a year later, and so only... we might see gameplay. You know, if we're going by the same time ta- timetable. Yep. My only pushback might against that would be that the initiative such a new studio that um the fact that this is their first game may affect that timetable a bit i would uh expect to see avowed this year though uh based Mm -hmm. on that that same timetable didn't we see that in 2020 as well there's a few uh Uh, yeah yeah Uh, yeah, and we saw it the e3 2020 and i think that i think obsidian showed them that when microsoft decided to purchase them at least that's what i yeah yes yes but that's the game they're like, oh shit, okay, cool. <laughs> from from what I've heard, it wasn't so much that. It's that they pitched it. Phil came up to them and said, if you had a bigger budget than you've ever had, the the uh, the budget you'd need to make your dream game, what would your dream game be? And they pitched it to him, and he was like, done. Um, and they were. Ex- they, I, I'm so excited. They love Pillars of Eternity. I'm excited for for that universe to get a first person RPG game. If you like CRPGs, Pillars of Eternity, fantastic. Yeah, I dabbled in um, it. It's cool. It's pretty cool, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm really, really not concerned about the hiring things. It's cool to to follow the hirings and the leavings. And who knows? You know, maybe do we know where this guy went? I don't know. He hasn't gone anywhere. The only reason yeah. we know about it is because people were looking at his LinkedIn, and his LinkedIn yeah. was showing that he was looking for work, oh, and that he left. Okay. okay. Yeah. No, there was no announcement. He, that's people were just you know, like keeping up on. Where maybe he had to move. You know, we, we don't know why he left. You know, maybe there there was trouble in his family. Someone passed away, and he needed to move back home to take care of like a parent or something. That's just a complete conjecture. And this wasn't even his original role. Like, his, yeah, that right. was Drew's role. He stepped yeah, in. So, so we have we have no idea why he left. We have no idea anything about the studio uh, really. again he's been with the studio since 2018 so it's yeah. not like this is somebody who's only been there for like a year he's been there for a considerable yeah. amount of time so i'm not too too concerned. that's what happened with the halo where the, you saw that one lady come in for like she was there for like two or three months and left mm-hmm. um i forget her name because 
because it was the writer that left and then someone i think that replaced the original writer from like halo 5 that left during halo infinite development i forget her name she stepped in or got hired and then she left like two or three months later and people were like saying the same things which there was issues there um yeah 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 and like I said, even with like one year leavings, Microsoft's such a stupid company with the contracted. If they were just on a contract thing, like a, like a, a contracted work thing, they would be leaving after a year, guaranteed. Yeah. So it's it's cool to follow these that if you like certain studios and you like to see the cross-germination of talent going across different studios or you like particular developers and want to see where they're going, this is a cool thing to follow. But to don't ever get wrapped up in unless you see a mass exodus, um, or you hear about problems like Activision Blizzard or Ubisoft with harassment. Um, that's when you get concerned about people leaving. You know, it, I I think it yeah. It, if, it is, and like it, I said before, if Daryl left, that would have been like oh shit, the whole head, the one that you know, pitched the whole project. Because I think that's how Daryl got hired when he was sitting there with Phil that like, hey, what do you think about, you know, rebooting this? And then he gave his pitch on like Perfect Dark and what he would want to do with it. So if he left, the whole person with the brainchild around this project, that's when yeah. I'd be like, if, even if like I was saying before, if Drew left and, you know, all that talent was still there and the head left, then I would be like, cool, well, where's yeah. the direction this is going? Then I would be like, okay well who's replacing them and what direction is it now going because it doesn't matter mm. what your talent is it's it's i mean it matters what your talent is but also if your head leaves then then the direction that that talent's going to work on stuff might go a different direction like so i've seen what gallagher did with tomb raider and and again they didn't make the third one that was idos so the two ones that everybody loves <laughs> you know the reboot and the rise of the tomb raider that was daryl so Right. Sounds like he's hitting, you know, pit after hit here. So I got my faith in him until he messes up, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, Centurion Pal, I would love to know your thoughts on this. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, sharing the thoughts here about, you know, a couple of us have shared about uh, what we think's going on here at the initiative. Do you think that this is just, you know, like a common thing? Like, oh, you know, he's just going to another studio. He's completed his, uh, you know, what he's been sent out to do. Or, you know, do you think there's some other stuff going on? I want to say at least there's no alarm bells going off in my head. Um, it seems to be a very common thing in gaming development. We see it all the time on Twitter and other forums of the Internet that one developer has started working for this new company or this developer left that company and is now over here. It seems to be very commonplace. Um, and... Like I like Shockley touched on, Gallagher is still there. Gallagher has done a wonderful job rebooting the Tomb Raider series. Um, I really feel that he revitalized that series for me. I feel that it was actually becoming a little uh, bland and repetitive in nature. Um, the original Laura Croft Tomb Raider games, they were just somehow the same thing over and over again. And then he just gave a really good, fresh perspective on Tomb Raider, which I really feel re-energized the whole franchise and i really hope that he's going to do that with perfect dark and I, at least at this point i feel that there's no alarm bells going off in my head 
Um, I really do feel that this, uh, when I read the articles, it said that he did this for personal reasons. Um, it might not have anything to do with what's going on over at the initiative at all. Maybe this guy just wanted to spend more time with his family and he found something to do that. I mean, you got to remember, there is some people out there where there's just more deeper priorities than their professional life, um, especially if you're very successful in your professional life. I mean, um, I hate to say his name. Look at Jeff Bezos, the guy that did Amazon. Um, he's starting to go on, you know, and tackle things because, you know, he's he did Amazon and he's wanting to kind of go off and do other things. And that could be said for any individual. So we don't really know what the real logical thinking was. The individual said it was all for personal reasons. And I don't really think it had anything to do with what's going on company wide with the initiative. And um, like Shockley also said, they got crystal dynamics there. They already have their labor force. Daryl Gallagher is there to keep the ball rolling, to keep that train going down the tracks because he already knows the direction that they're going. And, you know, I just really don't feel this is that big of a deal uh, unless somehow something else or, you know, I mean, it doesn't sound like development hell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, that's a fair thing to say. Like, if I heard a lot of news, like, dropping uh, about the initiative, oh, there's... Uh, these things, uh, these negative things going on at the studio, or if there was developers uh, speaking out about something, or again, mass, mass uh, employees leaving at a certain period of time, then yeah, you know what, I would say, you know what, there's uh, something wrong with the development here, things probably aren't going smoothly, but I, I don't see that with the initiative. Again, they're also a different kind of studio too. They seem more of like an incubator and they're going to, again, once they, they set the foundations in stone, uh, they'll give it out to, to a studio like a Crystal Dynamics, which again, very good uh, studio, has a pretty decent track record, although uh, the Avengers didn't do that great, but I think I blame more Square with that one, <laughs> especially with uh, microtransactions, but uh, that's for another conversation entirely. Uh, like again like i perfect dark seems from the sounds of things to be in good hands I, I can't wait to see the actual gameplay and so on but again i haven't seen anything negative about the studio uh you know one person leaving isn't you know it's not the end of the world uh and he's been there for a long period of time i i i, I can't say that i'm worried um i just again i just want to see gameplay I want to see gameplay, and uh, I don't, like, overall things things seem to be going pretty well with the initiative, um, especially with what, like, Phil and Matt Booty and other uh, higher-ups have to say about the studio. I'm, I'm pretty positive. I'm pretty positive going forward, and I don't think that this is, um, now this just seems like a regular thing that happens with studios overall, so I'm not too concerned. Um... Hey guys, tuning in, just remember to uh, share this show out and drop a like if you're enjoying the conversation. I see you all, uh, Chan, there. It's great to have you here, as always. I just thought I'd uh, point that out before we move on. Uh, all right, on to our fourth and final talking point of the night, fellas. And it seems like Bethesda are prepping up for something. Uh, Eagle-eyed spotters noticed a renewed trademark for something called Spy Team. Something that I've, well, I'll admit, I didn't know about this, never heard of it before, but it's a renewed trademark. 
Uh, you know what, Crusader? I'll, I'll hit you up on this one. Uh, we know that Bethesda is aiming to release Starfield later this year, and we'll, it'll probably have a huge marketing push from Xbox Game Studios. But with this trademark, uh, do you think we'll be hearing like a new game announcement in the near future about this? So, come back to me. I'm trying to find an article on Reddit. Evidently, this was there was a leak about this about a year ago. I I, I remember seeing it the other day. Mm-hmm. So come back to me. All right. Uh, go to go to someone else first, if you would. Thank uh, you. Yeah. All right. That's no problem. Actually, yeah. That uh, it's funny you mentioned that too because. I was looking at an article. I had no idea that this was a thing up until now. So, uh, yeah, definitely take a look. Uh, let's uh, Centurion. I don't know if uh, you're you've been uh, taking a look at this. Um, again, it's kind of news to me. This uh, spy team trademark. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this uh, on this trademark? Uh, do you think that you know it's possible that we could hear an announcement for a new title like? Do you have any thoughts on what this game could possibly be? Please uh, give me your insight. I'm going to say I really don't know. Um, I even like I have never heard of Spy Team. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that the article that What's His uh, um, Crusader is talking about was i guess like there was like a rumored bethesda montreal and austin uh maybe working on some kind of new game and that was an article that took place in november of 2020 um and definitely bethesda is definitely working on something uh zinimax whatever you want to call them i'm very very curious um we're not talking let's just say these game Bethesda Zinimax is not known for working off of like offshoot games and not in creating low budget stuff. So I really don't know what this could be. I'm going to be absolutely honest, but it's definitely uh, it's definitely good to hear that these studios are working on all sorts of things that we have no idea what's going on and that we really cannot just always just assume that we know everything. Yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, there have been different job listings that have been like shown, screenshotted. I've seen some for Bethesda Montreal that they're working on some type of a game that hasn't been announced yet, which, again, pretty interesting in itself. Uh, however, I mean, this could be related to there's other job listings that got posted too. Um, I think there was a, a LinkedIn as well, another one that got spotted uh, suggesting a third-person shooter in development at Roundhouse Studios. Um, that could be another possibility. Um, yeah, I mean, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, Shockley, buddy, I don't know, do you have any input on this? Um, I don't know if you've seen any of the... Uh, the different uh like the information put out um like what do you think spy team could be like do you think that it's possibly based off of uh an an old property like i'm seeing from what i'm seeing it could be based on a major comic license from what uh a different linkedin resume is saying but uh, like at the same time i don't know i don't know any comic that uh you know is called spy team or what it could be based on. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I was seeing the same thing with, uh, I guess that human head that made like, uh, the original prey. 
and man, that prey to that first teaser. Yes. <laughs> I'm still mad that they didn't Ditto. make that vision. But uh but yeah, I guess it's supposed to be potentially a PvP PvE uh third person shooter based off yeah, I haven't heard of that comic license before. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, that's that's as much as I would know on it. But I mean I, I haven't played most of any human heads now, obviously, because I don't know if Roundhouse has released a game since they got turned into, since Human Head got turned into Roundhouse. They have not. Um, they released. They don't a, even have anything out. I thought they released a game called Rune, if I'm not mistaken. They um, were supposed to be developing it. They ended up. They ended up having like a like Bethesda performed a hostile takeover of the company, which is not as bad as it sounds the company wanted to be bought but <laughs> right. they had to get out of like a shareholders agreement so the workers all essentially quit their jobs at human head and formed a new studio in the same building and formed roundhouse and bethesda bought roundhouse <laughs> it, it it was a really sketchy situation legally no one ever got sued or anything but it was very very a very sketchy situation uh that game ended up getting released by finished by another company that the um oh yeah that was but uh that was the publisher worked with they they all of those assets went to that other company so under bethesda roundhouse has not released a game they don't have anything announced we we they're they're they don't even have like a wikipedia page or anything they're very like elusive to track down anything about um the only concrete rumor and i i use the word concrete very likely is that they could be working on a planet of the apes game but that's a very like there was like no sourcing or anything like that and that that rumor came out around the same time that they announced uh indie uh uh machine games was working on indiana jones hmm. so that's the only thing i can say about roundhouse um i had actually completely missed this spy team thing a year ago when it was announced but uh yeah it, um i, I guess I it's not a comic it's just a new IP that, that they've been yeah. working on. Well, there's a yeah. rumor, like, again, rumors, you know, there's all kinds of rumors, but it doesn't, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, a comic uh, called Spy Team. I mean, look at, for example, Injustice, right? It's based around uh, the yeah. DC Universe, for example. But you wouldn't know if it was, like, you know, Batman or something, and it, so it could be something that... It could be a well-known property, just called something, like, again, that's very mysterious. Yeah, because we don't know what it is working on currently. There's rumors that it could be Quake. Machine Games is tied down in Indiana Jones, and uh, um, it looks like Wolfenstein 3 perhaps is in early development. We yeah, don't know. Presumably. Uh, uh, Bethesda Softworks has... Uh, not Softworks. Bethesda Game Studios has four locations. Um, one is working on... Fallout 76 extended support. Uh, the other three, in some combination, are working on their own game and uh, uh, their own game, Elder Scrolls 6 and Starfield. Starfield being the predominant one currently. Um, Alpha Dog Studio is a mobile studio, so I'm just going to ignore them. Um, Tango has upwards of, including Ghostwire Tokyo, three games in development. Yeah, that's correct. They had mentioned that. Uh, um, 
yeah, it, recently. They said that they have two other games in development. Um, so we don't know what they're working on. And then uh, Zenimax Online could also be working on something. We we uh, we know that they have an unannounced new IP in development. We have no idea what it's going to be. Um, as well as Elder Scrolls Online continued support. We're not even sure if the next game is going to be an MMO. It's just going to have some kind of online features. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's really hard to tackle down any uh, any kind of information about Bethesda currently because they don't use the same um, uh, online reporting system as Microsoft. I'm pretty sure that's how most of the stuff gets leaked with Microsoft because like all of the um, stuff gets sent through the same like uh, one channel and someone leaks it all. But Bethesda's not on that same uh, web service channel. So uh, that's why like Jez Corden doesn't have good sourcing on Bethesda. Same with uh, like Jeff Grubb. Mm-hmm. The the only reason they knew about uh, what was that game? The, the what? Uh, what can I think of it? We were talking about it earlier. The um the one from Arcane. The... Oh, Redfall. Redfall. The only reason they knew about that was the um they got access to the trailer for Redfall months early. Because it went through um, Microsoft's internal channels, because uh, it was getting ready for the the presentation showcase. Oh, <laughs> all right. I didn't. That's I didn't the only reason that. they knew about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's why um, we might get some more Bethesda leaks and rumors soon, because they're starting. They'll be starting to build that showcase in earnest right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes months and months to to coordinate the creation of all the trailers and stuff for that. Um. Because people think, oh, the E3 showcase, you know, it, it's just a bunch of trailers. It's like, yeah, all those trailers got to be in development for some time. They all have to get reviewed. They might want some stuff edited or changed to make it flashier for the... Because it's, it's just an advertising thing. You know? it, it's just to sell the stuff to a consumer or to get people to come work for them. Um, so, but yeah, now the, um, the this spy team thing, I've heard spy kids. Um, someone was saying, like, it could be a spy kids game. Because aren't huh. they rebooting Spy Kids, that old that old uh, movie series? I'll be honest, I really don't know. I'd have to take a look. I, at I that. thought I heard that. I thought they. I heard that they were rebooting that that movie series. Oh God. Yeah, I know, right? Well, that would be an interesting game to or movie to. That'd be an interesting game for Bethesda Zenimax to be doing. I'm sorry. I don't know. Yeah, I there's don't... an. I don't think so. To Untitled be Spy Kids film for 2022 uh... on IMDb. Oh, okay. I'm trying to look it up now, but uh, I'll be Here. honest. I, like, I mean, I I'll ho- put it in the uh, I'll put it in the chat. I hope not. To be honest with you, because I don't like I don't <laughs> think that that would get anybody to be like. Oh, the Spy I, I don't Kids. do it either. <laughs> so. I don't know. I like. I, I kind of want to shoot that down, but that is kind of interesting that you bring that up. But uh, I don't know. They could make some weird, like, like Xenomax Online could make some kind of weird, like, multiplayer spy game for an E E ten audience. You know, like it wouldn't be something that like uh, we would be interested in. But we like people have always said that that's something that Microsoft lacks is a uh, like a kid-friendly lineup, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they have Minecraft, and they have CMEs. Make a kid-friendly game, like, make Banjo-Kazooie. Make a new I one. I know, I would kill for <laughs> Like, Mario, it's still fun to play um, for, like, adults. 
Don't make and Spy it, Kids for the love. Those weren't even good movies as a kid. And based opinion. on when the trademark was originally filed, this could have this deal would have been made before Microsoft. Anyways, because it was the original rumor was from 2020, uh, November of 2020. Mm-hmm. So it would have been made after the deal had been presented, but before it had gone through. Well, again, this trademark is a renewed trademark, and I did see yeah, the from, listing in from 2018. Oh, so yeah, then it, then it would go back even further. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Um. So who knows? Uh, that would if it's from 2018, that eliminates Roundhouse, because Roundhouse was acquired in 2019 by uh, Bethesda by Zenimax. Maybe. I mean, again, I I've seen different listings pop up. I mean. It's like I did see something about Bethesda Montreal mentioned, but then some things intertwine with what Roundhouse is doing. So it's really hard to it is it's very elusive to say the least. This yeah. this title, um, yep. like it's very interesting to talk like have a conversation about it. Like again, guys, we we don't know like much about this, if anything. But just when we saw all this information kind of popping up about the trademark and about. Uh, which studios may or may not be connected to it. it. It does get you thinking of, oh, you know, what kind of game is this? Uh, is it third person? I mean, that there are different things coming up in the LinkedIn and so on. And when we see this renewed trademark, again, it gets my, my brain kind of pumping here. It's like, oh, well, you know, with this trademark, it's, you know, we're coming into April and so on. It's like, mm, you know, could they be announcing something come june or at the bethesda show you never know you never know um i do think that the timing is about right we may hear something uh quite soon about this game so um but yeah it just overall just very interesting to talk about this uh trademark anybody else have anything to add before we uh well i guess close off the night yes no ah all right i'll take that as a no well, guys, I think with uh, that all said, it's a good time to uh, start ending off tonight's offerings and good times tonight with the panel talking well, all things Xbox, pretty much. Uh, to all of you uh, listening in, thank you for stopping by. Uh, you're all really appreciated and awesome, and we love seeing you all here. If you did enjoy tonight's banter, then consider dropping a like, subbing to the channel, and sharing this out across the internet. Again, not to be shilling but it does help out with youtube's algorithms when you do that kind of stuff so again thank you very much anyways let's go to the outros uh starting off with our fantastic guest tonight crusader buddy hey it's always a a pleasure having you on and sharing your perspectives on the gaming sphere where can everybody follow you at uh, they can follow me at Crusader3456 on Twitter and u slash Crusader3456 on Reddit, where I am very active on r slash gaming leaks and rumors. Um, you want to add me on any of the gaming platforms, all of my um, stuff is in my bio on Twitter. All right, you heard him. Check it out, people. Moving on to the TXR regulars, uh, Eric Buddy good stuff tonight i really enjoyed uh again your own perspectives your opinions and so on very insightful uh where can uh, these wonderful people follow you at yeah as always you can find me at shock Nero on twitter easy shock on xbox live but yeah good show tonight thanks for crusader stopping by since we're especially 
uh, a little short this month. I know I, <laughs> I was a little late last week, so. Um, but thanks for stopping by. Good show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And uh, moving on over to Centurion, buddy. Great show tonight, as per usual. Uh, love your again your thoughts and opinions. Where can these fine people follow you at? Uh, thank you guys. It was another great Sunday night. Thank you to everybody who turned out in the chat and listens to the show afterwards. For those who do want to find me, you can locate me at Centurion1307 right here on YouTube, Xbox Live, and of course Twitter. And you can also locate me here every Sunday night right here on the TXR podcast with these fine gentlemen. And thank you to Crusader once again, another fine guest. Uh, it's always a blast to be able to conversate with you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. Agreed. Agreed wholeheartedly on that. And, hey, as you know, this is Invader. You all can find my content over on YouTube at Invader Gaming. Also on BitChute, Invader Gaming, and many other alternative sites. Also, check me out on Twitter at Invader underscore 1986. The Invader's everywhere, people. Thank you for all for stopping by tonight. We all look forward to seeing you uh, all back here again for the next show. Fantastic night. Thank you, everyone, in the chat for coming out. Later, folks. It's been a good one.